Coming to you from Music City, Nashville, Tennessee, this is the Quinn Spin. Hey now, and welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, one and all, to a brand new edition of the Quinn Spin. I'm your host, the Quinn, at least that's how I'm known here on the program. I'm back here on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, YouTube, and more for another rousing and riveting installment of the official podcast of ECM Collective. I had to do the intro over again because the first time I tried this, I said Underground Music Collective, but we're not Underground Music Collective anymore, especially not as of this Monday, October 2nd. We officially transitioned to ECM Collective. More on that in a bit. For now, you just heard Rebel Nine's All I've Become at the top of the show. That's been our opening theme song here at the Quinn Spin since the great year of 2014, and it will be until the very end of days because although we evolved, some things like this show and its opening theme are forever. And we continue year 11. Again, hard to believe we're in year 11 already, but here we are still going strong with an amazing, insightful conversation with Dylan Huey. He is a 21-year-old student at the University of Southern California, go Trojans, and he is an entrepreneur, social media influencer, mental health advocate, and the CEO of Reach, which inspires and empowers the next generation of digital creators all across the country at colleges and universities nationwide. So this conversation is a masterclass in digital media, building a digital presence and having an impact through that presence. And that's why that's in the title of this episode. Dylan has so much valuable insight to share, wise beyond his years. He's already accomplished so much in his life and his career, and he's just getting warmed up. 21 years old, like I said. One of the most impressive people I've ever had the chance to speak with here on the Quinn Spin in all of our years of doing this decade plus. I got to tell you, I came away with so much in this conversation for myself and for building ECM that I can't wait to apply. So you're going to get a lot of value out of this conversation and it starts right now. All right, we are back here on the Quinn Spin. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, everyone, Dylan Huey joining us here today, entrepreneur, CEO of Reach, which works to unite passionate influencers, digital marketers, and social media enthusiasts from universities across the United States. Uh, he's an undergrad at USC, also a musician, previous TEDx speaker, mental health advocate. Uh, what don't you do, Dylan, is, re- is really the question. <laughs> Thanks for joining Thank you. I'm glad to be here. I I try to do a little bit of everything. So um, I'm glad I can make time out of my day and chat with you guys. Likewise, likewise. Glad to have you here. And so before we get to the meat and potatoes here of the interview, I ask every guest of the show three standard questions where you can expand more. Tell us about yourself. And those three questions are, who are you? What are your passions? And why on earth would you want to come on the Quinn Spin? Yeah, my name is Dylan Huey. I'm from the Bay Area, Silicon Valley, born and raised, um, surrounded by tech at an early age. So my dad was the CFO of Sega for over 20 years. My mom uh, was the leading marketer at uh, Xbox Live and Sonic the Hedgehog, the original video game. So grew up around the Silicon Valley neighborhood. Um, For me, I started social media in 2016. And um, now I've taken it full time. I get 20 million daily views on Snapchat alone. So that's been a success for me. I have 2 million followers online. Um, Previously, I've managed creators with over 100 million followers plus. So um, just been working on building up my own social media. Now launched an organization called Reach, which is 
the first and only collegiate influencer organization across 15 different universities. Currently, we're at 2,000 plus members in our organization. So working on that and just super passionate about one, social media and the creator economy, two, entrepreneurship at an early age, have been very, very passionate about that space surrounded by my parents, um, as well as the community that I was born and raised in. And then three, I like tennis. I think that's very fun. And I think that during a, a lot of chaos, there's always something that you should find peace in. So love playing tennis. And that's been such an important thing in my life as well. I coached tennis for four years. Um, and now I play tennis for fun in college. Um, not really professionally or competitively, but I did want to emphasize the fact that I do play tennis as well. <laughs> yeah. Well, we all need to have our outlets, right? And 100%. that's one that's one thing, you know, you are a noted mental health advocate as well. And so how, how do you, how does tennis, how do, how do other activities help you keep the balance? Because there's so been so much made of this relationship, right? Between social media and our mental health. And of course you working so diligently in that space, like how do you make sure that you make time for you and make time for your own self-care so you don't get so far in the weeds of that? Yeah. I think that's something that all of us are always working on, right? I can't say that I'm the, the expert at balancing my work and uh, leisure, but at least in terms of mental health, I think it's always important for us to sometimes uh, reconnect with the outside world. And for me, tennis is my, my passion in terms of that side. But uh, when it comes to mental health, I mean, I started social media in 2016, originally because I was getting bullied. Um, in middle school and I wanted to show other people that there's others to relate to them. So that's where that mental health really started to kick in is just because of my upbringing and why I started social media in the first place. I think right now, especially in the creator space, a lot of creators are just launching their own social media accounts to um, make content, whether it's passion or they want to make money and see it as an easy way to make money. For me, it was really mission-driven. I wanted to connect with others in a way that I wasn't able to do so in middle school, um, a little bit in high school as well. So I, you know, I started social media to bridge that, that community and really just be authentic and vulnerable. I think it's a cool situation when you have followers who are um, passionate about your content, seeing your content, but then it's not just content for content, it's content with a mission. And that's something that I've been so, so outspoken about. Mm -hmm. Having something behind it, you know, having values behind the platform that you're building is super, super important, especially in this day and age where we are so bombarded, inundated with content, <laughs> right? Like yeah. it helps us, I think, as the consumer to have something that we connect with, you know, something that resonates okay. with us. Those are the accounts that I tend to follow, the ones that like connect with something in me, right? And that I'll follow yeah. over time. How have you, in your perspective and in the process of building this online community, how have you felt you've best connected with your audience? And do you have any particular stories about, you know, particular connections that, you know, have really stood out to you? <laughs> Yeah, I think the the one time that I always mention in every single interview was in, uh, I think it was 2017, when I was on tour for social media, I went to a few different stops, um, skipped a little bit of Fridays in high school to go on tour. Um, but I would have parents coming up to myself and my mom 
saying that the content that I made saved the, their children's lives. And I think that that moment going on tour, I mean, that's what every music artist aspires to hear when they're on tour performing, what every social media influencer, when they do meet and greets and what every comedian hopes to hear is that their content and what they're doing inspires other people. And to have parents coming up to my mom saying the content that Dylan makes saved our daughter's life. I think that that speaks immensely in the impact that social media, the content that I make really has. That's the one time that there are the few times that really stick out to me. I mean, I obviously get messages a ton, but it's really those in-person connections and meeting the people behind the screen where it's like, oh, my content that I make actually is watched by people, not just a number, but um, you know, there's people behind every screen that watches your content. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing is keeping those people in mind and realizing that these opportunities to connect online too might be opportunities one day to connect in person, you know, at an event, at a conference, at a, at a, live music experience, something to that effect. So really putting your truest, most authentic self forward, putting your best foot forward in that re regard is going yeah. to make those connections more meaningful. I think when you get to the in-person connection as well, and you've obviously made a ton of connections in your time, not only, you know, through your own platform, but in helping build the platforms of others. I mean, it's really astonishing to see what you've accomplished, you know, still as an undergrad, <laughs> you know, yeah. like you're, you're only 21, correct? I am. Yep. I'm 21. I still feel um, like I just started social media though. It feels so new. And I think that I'm in a very unique position that I've done a lot while I've been in college and even before college, I feel like I've lived multiple lives. Um, it's kind of fun. I don't feel like a college student really that much anymore. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I think too, like it feels so new because there's always something new to learn. Right. And so that's a great pivot to this next point is in your estimation, how have you been able to stay on top of new trends, new algorithmic changes, of course, new platforms? And how do you adapt, you know, as this ever changing ecosystem of social media evolves? Yeah, I think I'm at an advantage that I'm Gen Z and Gen Z is a very digital native uh, generation where we can easily understand consumers and analytics and trends on social media. I think that I have a unique perspective when I see things and I think about what is the consumer really thinking about uh, and what I think about trends that are popular and popping off on TikTok and all these platforms, that's the first thing that comes to mind. Why is someone going to want to watch this video? Or what is the trending thing that is going to entice people to watch that video to the end? So there's a lot of like analytics and analysis on trends. Um, obviously, you know, because of my community reach, uh, you know, it's a content creator organization with over 2000 creators. Everyone's always talking about trends 24-7. You can't get away from hearing about the trends. We did an event last week for our members, and we had our members go in groups and make a TikTok video using a trending sound. So obviously, that's advantageous for me to find what those trending sounds are. And actually, I learned a, a thing or two. I was like, I didn't know this was a trend. Um, so it's always 
cool to hear other people, to have a community of like-minded individuals who are equally passionate about the same thing as you are, because then you guys can bounce ideas around. And I think that that's what the advantageous aspect of the community that I built really is. But beyond that, I mean, there's a lot of different platforms out there and tools nowadays with AI and all these different, um, you know, creator economy related startups that outline what the trends are. I don't, I think we're so uniquely placed in today's economy compared to five years uh, before and 10 years ago as well, where if you want to learn how to become a content creator, now is the time. Mm -hmm. The tools are out there for you. The resources are out there. Anyone can be a successful content creator if they really put in time and effort. Amen to that. Amen. And the, to touch on that point about trends too, I think there's a very, you know, important, happy medium, a balance to strike right between meeting people where they are. Right. Yeah. And, you know, cashing in on those trends for lack of a better term, but also making sure you remain authentic. Cause if you're not meeting people where they are, you're not connecting with them. But also if you're just, you know, blasting out messaging without regard for meeting people where they are, then you're going to miss the opportunity to connect. So how do you strike that balance in your own content and with the clients you work with? How do you, how do you make sure that the message that you want to share is getting out there while also making sure you're making it palatable and making it something relatable that other people can connect with? That's a great question. I think that my biggest thing that I tell creators who are in this situation on how can I find authenticity while merging with trends, while merging with the brands that I'm working with is find what your value proposition is before you start making content. What is the reason that people are going to watch your content? What is that incentive? What makes you different? What makes you unique? Um, figure that one liner. You know, I make content that is focused on mental health because I understand the world of bullying from middle school and I want to inspire other people through live streams, um, challenges, where I can really show the importance of, uh, you know, balancing life, right? I made that up on the spot, by the way. That is not my value proposition. But, you know, something like that, it's so easy. But I know for me, I am uniquely placed for that when I'm sure for you, you can't use that same value proposition, right? And that's the important thing is that when I'm coming up with trends that I should be using or a brand integration that I should work with this brand, figure out, does it align with this value proposition? If it doesn't, then I might need to shift my value proposition, which is going to be a long-term thing because once you figure it out in your niche, it's a little harder to switch. But then two, if it's not a fit, it's just not a fit. I think a lot of creators nowadays are forcing brand integrations that don't make sense. The brands are a little disappointed because they're like, well, we didn't get the ROI that we were looking for. And the big thing here is that the creator was just not a fit. I mean, just because you have a budget of $1,000 to spend on creators doesn't mean you should be spending it all on one creator. You know, diverse your, your portfolio and the creators that you work with. Make sure that the creators that you work with are a two-way street. The brand needs to like the creator and the creator's mission. The creator needs to like the brand and the brand's mission. Um, so I'm a big advocate of finding your value proposition and, you know, figuring out your content second. It's, I mean, quality content is quality content. It's not about the type of content that you make or the niche that you make. As long as it's good and it's captivating, someone's going to be drawn to it and someone's going to find it beneficial themselves. So figure out 
what makes you different and why you are strategically that expert in making that content. Oh, I love it. Amen. Dylan Huey taking us to church today on the Quinn spin. I hope all of you musicians, creators, content creators, whatever you are, whatever your lane, like that you're listening to Dylan right now, because he's, he's speaking so much truth right now. And I want to touch on musicians too, because so often musicians, especially as they're starting out, I find have a lot of trouble, like really, putting forth what makes them them and what makes them different. I've seen countless musicians label themselves as I'm a singer songwriter from anywhere USA. (laughs) You know, I go by my first name and middle name. Here's me posing in front of the wings in Nashville. Like everyone else does like, how as a musician does this translate over to create a value proposition that's going to connect you to brand opportunities, going to connect you to partnerships and going to help you build a platform, build a business out of your art. Well, before I started social media, I was doing electronic dance music. And I think that this applies so heavily when it comes to electronic dance music, because we're going to remove voice. They're really in the core of an EDM artist and a producer. There are no vocals because the producer's doing the instrumental. So the big thing is like, if you are a producer, you wanna have your own signature, right? You wanna have something that makes you special, that makes you unique, that storyline, that tagline, all that amazing things that come to being a producer on electronic dance music. Well, if everyone's using the same instruments that you're using, the same style, the same tempo, all of that, all the songs are going to sound the same. You really need to find in that same regard your signature sauce, what makes your music, your music. I think, you know, when it comes to like electronic dance music, I usually take two people in mind, three people I'll throw out. Martin Garrix, um, I usually throw out um, Avicii and then Chainsmokers. You can really tell, at least for Chainsmokers in 2017, it feels a Chainsmokers song, right? (laughs) They really had that style and that signature down. And I think that that's how you should think about it taking that value proposition that same way. And you can, when you think about the music that you make, whether you're a singer or a producer or a rapper, anyone, you can think about your value proposition in that same light. It's obviously going to be less about me as a content creator, but me overall as, as an artist. I mean, you're going to be thinking about, oh, what is the mood or the vibe that I want to come across on the music that I make? Do I want it to be sad? Do I want it to be happy? All that amazing things. What instruments do I want to call my own that maybe other people might not use or might not know how to use? A Japanese flute? Oh, well, that's kind of unique. I haven't really heard any EDM artists using a Japanese flute. A trumpet i mean that's pretty interesting as well so figuring out what makes you different and what makes you unique and stand out i think in addition i mean at least from when i started off in social media um as well as music but but social media really i really understood the importance of community and having a community to rally around yourself um i think for musicians having a social media presence is ever advantageous in this this uh this economy but i think more than that finding a community who's going to support your music whether it be other musicians or maybe just a group of fans when i was posting on soundcloud back when i was 12 10 years old i was finding other soundcloud artists who made similar sounds to me and asked them if they wanted to collaborate on a track with me and that really built that momentum to where i was able to take that from social media even though I personally don't think that I started social media 
Um, you know, I started social media very spontaneously. It wasn't really planned or anything. Um, I still took the elements of me on SoundCloud, building that aspect of community when it came to going into uh, social media and starting to make content for other creators. So really finding a community that can be able to be a supportive figure and a like-minded group for you. Absolutely. You know, finding those people who are going in the same or a similar direction to you, right? And joining forces, rising tide raises all boats and helping each other win. I mean, that's so important. And that's so much of what we're doing here now at ECM Collective, of course, in our transition is building that community of empowered change makers, your entrepreneurs, creators, musicians, you hit it on the head and in the process reassured me that I'm on the right track in the platform I'm building. So thank you yeah. for that. When you were talking about when you were talking about the producers, I'm older than you and I, I was thinking of Timbaland back in like 2007, 8, like there was yeah. just a certain vibe to like anything he produced and you know being yeah. in college you'd hear it out every Friday, Saturday night like oh. I hear those songs and I'm like, it takes me back to 08. You know, it takes me back to 40 below in Bethlehem, PA. <laughs> back when yeah. that place was I mean, I think a lot of, I think a lot of beginning EDM artists, and this is, I mean, this is not on them, but I mean, they're using a copy and paste template off of Ableton using the same sounds on like Silent and Serum. And you need to find what makes you different. What makes you unique, make your own sounds, play around. And I think, you know, Fred again's rise in the EDM world. I think that that was very unique because, I mean, he had his signature sound like that. I mean, you know, when you hear a Fred again, I mean, I think he's the most recent artist to kind of have that signature sound. You know, when it's his song. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think the opposite of that too, is like, if you're trying to take what's already been done, you yeah. know, you're going to see diminishing returns off of that, you know, for years you'd have, and you still have, girls who are trying to be the next Taylor Swift. There's already a Taylor Swift. And no, no matter what you do, you're not going to you're not going to surpass her if you're trying to be her. She's already got that nailed. I again, I'm older than you. So I think yeah. of the boy bands in the 90s, I think of the Backstreet Boys and NSYNC, you know, you're 1A and 1B, you know, the order you have them in depends on your flavor that you prefer. And then you had every other boy band turned out of Orlando on the rocks <laughs> underneath them and mo- you know, after you get past 98 degrees O Town and LFO, nobody remembers the rest, right? You like, never be you can never be greater than the person you are copying. Exactly. Exactly. It's already there. You have diminishing returns until there are no returns, right? So you have yeah. to take what's worked, be influenced, be inspired yeah. by what has worked, but then make it your own and um, figure out your lane in that and what, you know, what parts of you that you can put into that to create a different experience for people that of course is still going to be accessible to them, right? But is also going to give them something new and different that they can't quite get anywhere else. hundred percent. Yeah. No, I'm in the same boat as that. I think that's the biggest piece of advice, especially for musicians nowadays, where, I mean, I see a lot of music coming in and out. A lot of them are very similar, but it's like, how can you spin it to your own? Even if you're doing a cover on YouTube, like, I don't want to hear another Taylor Swift rendition. I want to hear you turning her song into your own song. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think that we, I mean, that's my biggest advice for musicians. Figure out what makes you yourself. Absolutely. 100%. Dylan Huey, of course, dropping all kinds of knowledge on us today on <laughs> and truth bombs here on the Quinn spin. I do want to go back to reach, of course, uh, because you've built such an impressive community here and truly, you know, of course, with social media, you're gaining 
increased relevance over the years, you know, and becoming more and more prominent in, the, in our daily lives, in addition to the way we do business, so important for students to learn how to leverage these platforms and build platforms of their own, right? So how has Reach helped shape that ecosystem and help start to change the game here for students like yourself, for people that are now coming up, you know, from high school into college? And where do you see that going long term? Yeah, well, first and foremost, um, Rich's mission is the fact that college students and anyone and everyone, everything will see the need to have a digital presence in the future. That's what we embody because, I mean, we see with even a platform like LinkedIn, which is more business centric and the average executive at a company, well, there's a lot of layoffs happening nowadays especially with the economy. And a lot of people on LinkedIn are posting saying, hey, does anyone in my network know any warm leads for some new jobs? Well, you can't do that if you don't have a digital presence. You're not going to have that network to, to bounce off of. So Reach is really giving the tools to college students to become successful in the social media space. Whether they want to become content creators, whether they want to become musicians, whether they want to be digital marketers or social media strategists. I mean, the social media world and landscape is endless. However, there are only eight to 10 universities in the world that teach about the creator economy. If it's a multi-billion dollar industry, I said in a podcast one time that was over a million dollars. And then I got critiqued and they were like, people told me that it's more than a, a billion dollars. So I will say that's over $20 billion this time to be on the safe side. Um, over a $20 billion industry, if it's over a $20 billion industry and schools aren't really teaching that much about the creator economy, and we're expecting all these uh, you know incoming graduates to work at the social media platforms and to work in influencer marketing and social media marketing. Well, who's going to teach it? That's for us, our goal. We want to be that place where we teach about the creator economy so that a company, if they see reach on their resume, on anyone's resume, they'll know, oh, that person actually knows something about the creator space and give that person a strategic advantage um, because we do want to educate our uh, our college students about the importance of social media. Now, I think that colleges have the right to take some time building out social media and creator economy curriculum because the social media landscape changes every six months. So curriculum in six months, it's going to be obsolete. Um, and it also takes over a year to develop many curriculums for colleges. However, we are starting to see more and more universities teaching creator classes. And I think that that's the direction that we're going. Um, actually, quite honestly, yesterday, I read an article that said that Ireland is, a university in Ireland is now starting a, um, a influencer major or a curriculum around uh, the creator space. And I thought that, that that was so unique that it's starting to go international now. I mean, obviously we have schools like USC, Duke, Chapman, UCLA, that teach about the creator space. But I think that there's so much more room to be able to teach this, especially the impact that the creator space has on the economy. So, um, I mean, social media, just in general, it taps into every single industry, whether it's entertainment, music, food, CPG brands, like all these different things need social media 
as a lifeline. So it's ever more important for these colleges to be able to teach that. And that's Rich's goal is to be able to provide that nudge for these universities to be like, see how much your students care about social media. I mean, you've been able to garner over 2000 creators in uh, six months. So it's been a success so far. And I think there's so much cross-pollination too between different lanes and different forms of media, different industries because of social media. In your estimation, how important is it for a creator you know, in this day and age, in this creator economy, do you have multiple lanes or ventures that they're well-versed in and that they're passionate about? I think that that's the biggest thing. I mean, I read a statistic that said that 50% of creators make less than $500 a month, which is wild. But I think here, it's the lack of education. Creators just don't know where to start. Um, it's not just posting a post. I mean, you need to think of yourself as a brand, as a business. And I think every single individual should think of themselves as a brand, as a business. You need your own branding. You need your own strategy. Without that, you're not going to be a business. So, um, you know, figuring out how you can be able to monetize your following. Is it going to be merchandise? Is it going to be subscription and premium memberships? Is it going to be brand deals? Is it going to be... I mean, there's a million different ways that creators can make money setting up focus groups, helping out brands, consulting for brands, being a strategic advisor. The list goes on and on. And it's more about finding how you can tap into. And I think that creators think that, especially the newer creators, think that the money is going to come to them. But let's be honest. If you want to be the 1%, you're going to do what the 1% does. You're going to go after the brands. You're going to be the one proactive. You're going to be the one showing why you're of value to companies to tap into or even your audience to incentivize them to purchase your merchandise or your premium subscriptions. Um, and all of that is so, so important that still needs to be understood by a creator. They need to be start thinking like an entrepreneur more than thinking about just posting on TikTok. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 100%. I I can't agree more with everything that you're saying. This has been a true masterclass. One question I have, because there are, for as many people that are leaning into this creative economy right now, this creator economy, there are just as many, it seems, who are resistant to that change, who are resistant to having to adopt all these new skills and all these yeah. new technologies to bolster their brand, bolster their platform. What would you say to somebody who has resistance around adopting the latest social media trends uh, around adopting technology in order to bolster and elevate their platform? I mean, I would say the easiest thing is take a look around you. Um, We're seeing less and less commercials. We're seeing less radio. Traditional advertising is almost obsolete. Uh, Everyone is turning to social media. If you're not on social media, you are living in Iraq, honestly. Everyone is on their phone 24-7. The world is digital. And I think that there's so much in terms of, yes, of course, you know, traditional marketing is still great. Word of mouth, flyers, all that is so important. But imagine the scale that you could be able to build up your brand if you had a million people that you could tap to in a second and that is the power of social media spontaneous 
instantaneous reactions. Um, I mean, compared to compared that to having to print out a million sheets of paper for a flyer that you're having a sale. Um, I mean, the easiest thing is to go digital because we have this as a resource. It's not here that's something to fight you. It's not something that you should be dissing about. I think that everything, I mean, if I was a brand right now and I was thinking in terms of a brand, I would think of every way to get people to find out who I am. Digital has that opportunity because everyone's on digital around the world. It's not just a one location thing. It's not a one market unit. You can be able to tap into New York, Tennessee. You can tap into Miami, Los Angeles, all with the power of social. Compare that to putting up a billboard in Los Angeles. You might get a few people who look at it. But let's be honest. They're driving. They're not going to type in your website. <laughs> they might feel like, oh, I'm going to do it later and then never yeah. do it. Don't forget. Don't forget. I do that all the time. I do, oh, yeah, I'm going to check that out. And then it's like, oh, yeah, I see the same billboard a month later. Oh, yeah, I guess I never checked that out. I'll do it later today. Then I still never. hundred <laughs> percent. They, they, they forget. I mean, but imagine if you were able to tap everyone on Instagram, had their email, shot a newsletter to them with that same promotion that you were advertising. Mm-hmm. That's the magic of social. Mm-hmm. Again, meeting people where they are in a digital sense too, in an yeah. advertorial sense. Uh, this has been tremendous, uh, Dylan. And I have a few more questions before we yes. wrap up. First of all, if somebody wants to get started and, you know, if somebody's heard what you have to say and wants to get started in like getting better at all of this, where's the one place you would suggest they start? Platform or strategy? What are your strategy wise? I think the biggest thing, if you want to start garnering your presence on social media is to build your social media up. People aren't going to follow you if you don't have content. That's the big, big thing that people need to understand. In a similar way, I don't believe that people should call themselves a singer if they don't release singing songs, Um, right? So start posting on TikTok, start posting on Instagram, start posting on YouTube, pick a platform that you think is easiest for you and just start getting content out there because the worst thing that's going to happen is that nobody's going to watch it. And who cares if nobody's going to watch it? You have so much upside with zero little downside. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh, you spent 10 seconds making a TikTok, finding the sound and picking a caption. It's like, that's not a big deal. You have 24 hours in a day, but it's just a matter of getting stuff out there for people to be able to watch. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you're, you have to build that equity up. You know, you have to build some kind of equity. You know, you have to show that consistency over time. It's going to be slow going in a lot of cases in the beginning. But if you don't start and you don't start to build that momentum, that momentum is never going to come. Like you have to. Social media is an up, uh, is an an exponential growth, right? So if you think about it, you're going to spend maybe three years, four years getting to a million followers. Once you get to that million followers, it's going to scale faster and faster and faster. So it's just a matter of getting those first people to watch your video, providing value to them, getting that content out there and making sure that you know your value proposition and you're staying true to yourself. 100%. Amazing stuff, Dylan. Really appreciate it. I want to ask you a couple more questions before we wrap. The first question is you're only 21. You've done so much already, you know, (laughs) and you continue to build and grow, you know, between reach and everything else. 
what's next for you? Uh, sleep when I graduate. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that that will be much needed. But I think beyond that, I mean, I've scaled reach so much. We have two different entities for reach. We have our 501c3, all the different college campuses. We're on track to be in 150 universities by the end of the year. When I graduate, we'll be building that up as well. But separately, we have our for-profit uh, reach company. And there we're working with a bunch of different brands. We're working with a bunch of different talent. We are launching reach studios to make um, you know film and TV products, which is so, so exciting. And I think what we're doing on our for-profit side, I mean, we have equity in five different companies. It's wild on our for-profit side. I think the thing here on a for-profit is we just understand that everyone's going to see the value of a digital presence and everything's going to be intertwined. The world comes together when it comes to social. So that's what we're building out with our for-profit for company. We're working with a bunch of different brands, with a bunch of different creatives to build out different divisions on a for-profit side that will help the world see digital as it should be seen. Um, so a lot of different things. Of course, I'm going to get sleep. I'm going to also just work on my own social media as well um, because, you know, coming from being a content creator at an early age when I was 14 years old, it's amazing how I still love social media and being able to inspire other people. And that's why I do social media and I, why I still do social media to this day. And I want to make a difference in other people's lives. So, um, you know, for me, it's not about myself, but it's about the community that I've curated and the community that I've built up. Mm -hmm. And if there was one lesson from this entire journey so far that you would impart upon somebody starting out on their journey or not quite sure where to go next, what would that be? Whether that's related to business, life, what's the most important lesson you've learned? I think that the biggest lesson that I've learned is that you should put your passion first. Uh, if you don't enjoy making content, don't make content. It's just going to be very painful for you. Um, I learned very quickly that social media was a massive passion. And for me, even to this day, I wouldn't do things that I don't enjoy, right? If I don't enjoy it, I wouldn't be doing it. Entrepreneurship is so, so enjoyable for me. And it's so fun to problem solve, to build a team, to help rally a team around a, a single mission. For me, social media is a massive, massive passion for me. And I turn all of my passions into my career. And I think that that's something that's unique because oftentimes we hear people saying, well, you know, I'm working this industry, but I don't really love doing it. Um, that's not the mindset that you should be having. Obviously, I was at a luxury. I'm going to be quite honest because my parents worked very hard to make sure that we were accommodated for as a family. So I don't have, I don't need to take on three jobs myself. And I think that that's a luxury for myself. However, if you really want to be successful, I'm a keen advocate of being a risk taker. You're not going to make money unless you take risks. And if you want to be complacent, then that is totally fine. Be complacent and work your nine to five. But if you want to elevate yourself into taking yourself bigger and better, you need to do what other people don't do. I mean, the music industry, only 0.1% make it to become a standout in the music industry. So what is going to put you to that level? Well, you need to be dedicated. You need to be passionate. The days 
where it's really hard, where you feel like you should just go back to sleep. You know, you have deadlines. You need to make sure that you're on top of that. So um, finding your passion and the money will follow. I think that's the biggest thing. But ultimately, find and truly find what you're passionate about. I love it. I love it. Dylan Huey joining us on the Quinn Spin. Dylan, before I let you go, where can people learn more about you online and follow the journey? Yeah, I mean, just Google around at Dylan Huey or Rod and Flash, R-O-D-I-N-F-L-A-S-H. Um, that's usually my handle on all social media. So I'm big on LinkedIn, Snapchat, Instagram, all the other platforms. Um, but then Reach, I mean, Reach is an organization across all these different universities. So if you are a college student or you know college students, um, look on Instagram, look at USC Reach, look at UCLA Reach, the different universities and the amazing things that they're doing. So yeah, I'm all over the web. <laughs> all right. Make sure you connect with Dylan and follow the journey so much more in your future. Thanks for joining us. Of course. Amazing. Thank you. So there you have it. Dylan Huey, CEO of Reach, joining us here on the Quinspin. Again, Dylan has already accomplished so much in his life and in his career, and he's just getting warmed up. I want to thank Dylan for coming on, for sharing so much with us. Again, like I said at the top of the show, going to be applying a lot of that to our journey here at ECM Collective, which launches officially this Monday, October 2nd. That's the day the member portal will be open. We're already starting to build out that back end, build out the content, get ready to roll here. And we have a lot of exciting things coming up. Tap in with us. Go to undergroundmusiccollective.com slash join. As of Monday, that will be ecmcollective.com slash join and link up with us. Join this community. We have our first virtual coffee chat Sunday, October 8th at 12 p.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. And that's only the beginning. We have so much to share with each other. We have a great community waiting for you. Please join us and hopefully we can get Dylan in and share some more of his insights into this world of social media and the digital sphere. The Quinn Spin, two ends and Quinn, two ends and spin can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, YouTube, and more. Also on Instagram at Quinn Spin Official, two ends and Quinn, two ends and spin. After talking with Dylan, I feel really bad that we don't have a TikTok yet, but maybe we'll be fixing that soon. Also, Facebook, The Quinn Spin. That page has been more active lately. More of you have been engaging with us there. Thank you for that. Subscribe to ECM Collective on YouTube. If you're watching this there, of course, a subscribe, a like, a share, a follow. Wherever you're watching or listening will go a long way. Also, follow ECM Collective on Instagram, Facebook, X. I'm still getting used to saying X instead of Twitter. And LinkedIn. We're in all of those places. Plenty of updates to come from our community Thank you for being here with us. Uh, this is a milestone week going into a milestone month year for us here at ECM as we complete our transition. And the journey's just getting started 10 plus years in and we're just getting warmed up ourselves. So thanks for being here. Really excited to keep building with you and really excited to have Rebel Nines All I Become take us out just like it brought us in. The end instead of the beginning. Grab some muffins on your way out.